3, we're about to close out this chapter. And uh, for me, in just pondering Malachi, uh, as we've been talking about it weeks after weeks, uh, that uh, one of the things that was happening at the time is they were promised the Messiah. They were promised the Deliverer. They were promised that the Lord would come and be with them and set things up the way he had promised. And they hadn't seen it yet. And right now we're at Christmas time and we're, we're understanding God sends Jesus, the Messiah, and answers all these amazing prophecies. So as I'm looking at this, I get a little excited. Now granted, remember, when the book of Malachi was written, they still had to wait 400 years, and there was absolutely no contact from God in that whole time period. 400 years they were waiting, going, Lord, you made promises, and I mentioned this, I think, last week. You realize our country as a whole isn't even 400 years old yet? Uh, Imagine waiting that long, and understanding why it was hard for the children of Israel, why they were getting complacent, why they had, were struggling with looking at the world around them and wondering what was going on and feeling like maybe it was a waste of time. I can understand that. I don't necessarily get it, but I can understand why it might happen because I'll tell you what, uh, there have been pastors and theologians and preachers, evangelists for hundreds of years that believed Jesus Christ was coming before they were gone. And we say it now, and I keep saying the prophecies are lining up. I believe it's soon, but you know what? I might pass on into eternity to go meet with the Lord, and he doesn't come yet. We just never know. It may be another hundred years. Just don't know. But what the understanding is, they, uh, this time of year where we celebrate Christmas, and we have all these decorations to remind us about Christmas time. I know it has nothing to do with the tree or garland or anything like that, but it is celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Finally, this world saw the Messiah that the whole Old Testament had been prophesied. And as much as we get excited about this time of year, don't lose the focus that God is going to complete his plan. His second coming is guaranteed. He's coming again. Okay? We don't know when, but if we don't forget, and that's why I get excited about Christmas, always have loved Christmas, um, and it's not just about the presents, it's about the fact that God gave his only son just like he had promised. Well, you know that child who comes in mean estate, who mildly lays his glory by, who was born into infancy, into this world, he's not coming that way the second time. The second time he comes, he comes as conquering king. He splits open the sky, and the entire world knows exactly who he is. Amen? So I'm looking forward to that. So I get excited about, we saw the first coming. Don't lose the excitement that even though we're going through this daily grind every single year, he's coming again. Amen? He will keep his promise. He's got a plan, and he's working it. So with that in mind, today's uh, sermon title is, What's Your Story? What's your story? And I, I just want to focus on that for a minute. Hopefully by the time we're done today, it, set, it hits home. Okay? Um, up until this point, God has voiced his displeasure with the children of Israel. He's pointed out nine different things that 
the children of Israel were doing because of their complacency, because of the fact that they had grown so bored with serving the Lord there. What a weariness. This is awful. And he, last week, we t- the last two weeks, we talked about the fact that watch your mouth because the children of Israel were just complaining that what's in it for us, Lord? We're doing all this service all these years and I'm not getting any credit for it. Okay, and they were complaining, and God says, listen, your words are stout against me. Okay, and God had just pointed out, well, today, we can go to the next slide, actually. Okay, so we look at, actually, the next one. Uh, we'll look at nine different things. However, okay, not everyone at that point in the children of Israel had that same feeling. They weren't all acting the same way. There were still some that were going through all the same struggles of waiting, watching, hoping the Lord would do what he promised to do. Remember we looked at last week the fact that all these faithful that God lists in the faith chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, they all died not seeing the promise, but they knew it was coming. And God says, I'm going to make mention of you folks who stayed faithful. So I've looked with me, if you would, to verse 16, 17, and 18, the last three verses of this chapter, and God responds to those who he wasn't having a problem with, who were faithfully serving him. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord And that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then ye shall return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth serveth not him not. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you. You have pointed out some serious issues that you had, and we've looked at them pretty extensively, Lord. But Father, here you step up and you make mention of those who haven't gone by the wayside. Father, they haven't compared themselves to the world. They haven't forgotten to give you the honor that a father deserves, to give you the respect that a God deserves. They haven't forgotten about their giving. They haven't forgotten, Lord, about all these aspects that you had called some of them out. And Lord, you make some important notations here about the kind of people they were. And so, Father, I just pray that uh, we would be encouraged, number one. But Lord, it would, again, give us some goals to shoot for. And Father, I thank you, when they lived this certain way, you responded in a certain way. And Father, what an awesome thing that is too. So Lord, be with my mind. Uh, Lord, help me as I share what you've laid upon my heart from this, how you've touched me. And Lord, uh, just a, an, again, an amazing truth and proof of the God that you are. And Lord, we are so thankful. So Lord, uh, just bless us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, he says, um, there have been some of you who are faithful. Okay? Uh, Go back to. Okay, all right, maybe. 
Not everyone was acting this way toward God. Uh, they were going through the same thing. Okay, next slide. Thanks. I'm jumping around. So what can we learn from them? There are three behaviors here that God points out that we just read in the verse, and that's where I want to focus on. Three specific things that God says about. So he's written this whole book up to this point, chewing them out for failing to do the things that God would have expected his people to do. And now he says, now there are some, though. He said, and there's a couple of things I want to point out that they do. Number one is they feared the Lord. Now, again, sometimes when you get to commentaries or we preach on this word, sometimes we, we want to say it's, it's respect, okay? And that is part of it, but there's much more to it than that, okay? Uh, there's a lot of people in this world I respect, but I don't necessarily fear them in the way that the Bible is talking about here, okay? Um, I wrote it this way on there. Uh, it means to be morally afraid, dreading a judgment, Okay, and I put those words purposefully. It's a dread. Okay, uh, you think, oh, well, we shouldn't fear the Lord like that. He's our loving Heavenly Father. Yes, He is our lovingly he loving Heavenly Father, but He also has the judgment upon every one of us. And that should be frightening. I was thought about it just a few minutes ago. I was, I was rehearsing this to, to share this morning. Remember the verse that in the Bible, and I don't have it quoted. I could have looked it up if I had more time where God says, don't fear those who are able to f kill the flesh, but fear the one who is able to make an eternal judgment on our own life, our spirit, our soul. We don't necessarily like to think about fear when it comes to the Lord, but he is the one we ultimately have to answer to. And again, I've used this example many times. I'll use it again because it just is vivid for me. When I did something at home and mom would say, wait till your dad gets home. Okay, and I might have been sent to my room until dad gets home. And dad was a trucker, so sometimes he was gone till later at night. I might have been up there for three or four hours. I'm in my room playing with Legos, whatever it is. Totally forgot until I hear, J -j 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 -j, as the truck pulls into the driveway. Because all of a sudden I realize dad is home and there's a reckoning. Okay? And I'm praying for a certain pitch downstairs. When dad walks in the door, if mom's like, it's a, okay, if I walk in the door and I hear, oh no. Okay, because mom is still very upset and she is instantly transferring her uh, displeasure with me to dad. And dad's thermostat, the thermometer is going up. Remember the old Bugs Bunny cartoons until all of a sudden the top is red and the steam comes out the ears. And then I hear dad coming up the stairs. And sometimes it was nice because you'd just hear. Then there's other times you'd hear. And you're like, oh, I'm dead. Now, I love my dad. I've always loved my dad. We have never had a problem where I was, he would come home from work on a daily basis and I would fear him. And I know there are people in this world who have had abusive fathers that they would be scared just for him to come home. I never had that relationship with my dad. But when I wasn't right, 
that was different. When I messed up and I knew I messed up, I knew there was a judgment coming. I knew I had to pay the piper. And there was an honest fear. As much as I loved him, I knew he had every right of the Father to come and discipline me for what I had done. That's what I'm talking about. The fear of the Lord isn't just a respect. You can have respect for a colleague at work. You can have respect for somebody. They don't have the ultimate authority over you to exercise judgment. Our God does. And that's important. And we could have looked up this morning the fact that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and things. But how do you fear the Lord? You ever think about that? Because we say you have to have a good fear, a healthy fear of the Lord. And you, well, how do you fear the Lord? You step back and go, I'm just so afraid of him. That's not what he wants. Okay, well, amazing if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and God is pointing out these people to say, man, it was awesome. They feared the Lord. Well, don't you think God might give little instructions about how to fear the Lord? Well, guess what? He does. Okay, a couple verses here. Just This is not ex- extensive study on this. This is just something to help us to understand how do we get a good, healthy fear of the Lord. Right? Deuteronomy 4.10 Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth and that they may teach their children. You understand a fear of the Lord is something that can be learned and can be taught. But there's a, a, an important fact, an important factor in this. Did you see what it says? Gather all the people together and what? Make them Hear my words. You want to know how you get a healthy fear of the Lord? Through the word of God is how you get a healthy fear of the Lord. You see, in this world today, and especially in some Christian groups, uh, it's all about love. It's all about the fluff. It's all about little social sermons and preaching you know, things that tickle your itching ears, and not a lot of Bible. One of the things you want to learn about uh, the Lord from the Bible is he is a God not only of love, but he is a God of judgment. You cannot spend time reigning the word of God and realize that over and over and over throughout history, God is in control and God has the final say. And when you spend time reading God's word, you understand a fear of the Lord. If all we do is listen to some of these fluffy Christian sermons on the radio, it's all gushy and mushy and lovey. And God is a God of love. And he just wants me to be happy. And I I can behave certain ways because God wouldn't dare judge me because he's such a loving God. Hogwash! God holds the ultimate judgment and he will judge. That brings a healthy fear of the Lord. Now circle back to where my mom was 
talking about something. If mom, if I went upstairs in my room and I said, "Man, mom, I don't. Mom's just flipping out. I don't understand anything she's upset about. We had no rules in our house that I broke." And dad comes up to my room and I said, "Dad, I don't know what mom's talking about. We've never said I couldn't do that." We've never, and dad goes, "Yeah, you're right. That's never been really established here at the house. You're all right." Okay, number one, now dad's got the fear of the Lord from mom in him. Okay, no, the reason why I had fear of my dad coming home for the reckoning is because I realized there was a standard that I violated. There was rules in my home, there was expectations, and when I messed those things up, all of a sudden I went, oh no, I'm in trouble. If you don't stick to the word of God, if you're not sharing what the words of God has said, of course, everything looks nice and warm and fluffy and there's no responsibility. What brings us the fear of the Lord is spending time in his word and understanding what he expects. Now, with that in mind, I could let's spend the next four hours and rehash all the nine things that God had been disappointed with. You see where God's going? God's saying, listen, I just listed out nine things which I'm unhappy with your behavior. He says, you know what I'm happy with? People that fear the Lord. Your words were stout against me and you didn't even care. What kind of fear of the Lord is that? You're going around bad-mouthing God? God says, you know what? My people have a healthy fear of the Lord. And you get that from the Word of God. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 too. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Now these are the commandments and statutes and judgments which the Lord your God commanded you to teach you. So God says, I'm instructing you with certain things that you may do them in the land where thou go to possess. Spending time in the word of God helps us to learn to fear him. That's where we get it. Keep going. Next slide, verse 2 that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. How? By the statutes, commandments, by his word. When you spend time in God's word, you get a healthy fear of the Lord. Okay? And his commandments, which, okay, yeah, which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons all the days of thy life, that thou may be, the days might be prolonged. Not only do we have the ability to be taught the commandments so that we would fear the Lord, it's a responsibility that we pass on to our children. Not necessarily a judgment call on anybody in particular, but you want to know why many of our children don't have a healthy fear of the Lord? Because their parents don't have a healthy fear of the Lord. It's not all the kids' fault. Because if the parents haven't spent time in God's word and structured their life with a little fear of the Lord, the children are not going to have that in them either. And we wonder why generation after generation slips further and further away from the Lord because once you start staying away from God's statutes, commandments, the words he has spoken, and stop reproducing a healthy fear of God, no wonder the people in the book of Malachi were acting the way they were. Next, last verse in this group, verse 3. Hear therefore, hear therefore, O Israel, 
and observe to do it, that thou mayest be well with thee, and that thou mayest increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers had promised thee in the land that flowed with milk and honey. Notice something he says, this is all about the past. Remember what he told your fathers? Remember the promises and all that? Look back. How many of us look to the stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the children of Israel? In the, in, we have a whole book called the book of Judges. Because God brings people into the children of Israel to kind of snap them out of their bad behaviors. And then when they beg for God's forgiveness and ask for deliverance, God sends a judge to deliver them from their problem. God's whole word reminds us that we better have a healthy fear of God. Okay, now, I put this in here because if you know anything about Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 is probably the most recognized, if not most essential verse in the entire Hebrew religion. Okay, the verse is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Understand, I went to this verse because their entire religion hinges upon and circles and focuses around this verse, but the context is set up on the fear of the Lord. This verse means nothing if you do not have the fear of the Lord in you. And you know what's funny to me? The children of Israel today, the Jews today, almost don't even consider the scripture viable in part of their worship. They're God's people. How are you God's people? Well, the Word of God tells us. They just consider themselves to be God's chosen people, but they spend very little time in His statutes, in His commandments. This is why, folks, over and over and over, we are reminding you to spend time in the Word of God. Because... I can preach it, Dan can preach it, we can share it in the pews, we can read our daily breads and do all those things we do. But if you and I are not in the Word of God, we lose a healthy image of who our God truly is. And if we lose that, we have a big problem. And see, I know, I've talked to some of you and, uh, about this subject. I've probably talked to all of you. Um, but about this subject in general. How could God save somebody and then that person just live however they want? You know, God promises them heaven and guarantees them that because the blood of Jesus Christ does cover every single sin. There's not anything that can violate that. But then how could a person who received Jesus Christ as Savior go out and live the way they want to live and not consider anything? And you know why? Because they've forgotten to fear God. Now, this is just common sense stuff, guys. We see this all the time in our real world. Why don't we give God the credit? Let me ask you a question. And I know this is kind of generalization, but how many of you have ever pondered having a foster child come to your home? Anybody? I have. Okay. Um, we had been blessed with three children. And the Lord helped us to raise them and without pulling all of our hair out. And... Um, uh, we, I had thought, you know what, maybe the Lord would want us to open our home up to someone else, some other child who could use you know, a healthy home. Why? Because the children who do not have a good structured home 
and a good set of boundaries and understand that there is judgment and punishment and repercussions for their behavior grow up as hooligans. I just picked that word. You pick any word you want. It's a good, healthy, you know, 50-year-old word. Okay, without the, and guys, there are studies over and over and over confirming the fact that children that come from a, a household without a father struggle so much more than children who do have a loving father who is a disciplinarian. Now get this, we already know that human beings who don't have a good structured father figure who is, they are going to have a healthy fear of, who has some judgment and some things and some rules and regulations in the house, those kids don't turn out so good. Yet Christians will receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but have no relationship with the fear of God with their Heavenly Father. And they walk around and do what they want and think that there is no repercussions to that. Well, God's reminding us right here in this verse, there are repercussions. Don't think just because a Christian is a believer, ask Jesus to be their Savior, but doesn't go to church, doesn't fellowship, doesn't read the Word of God, doesn't do the, serve Him in any way, just kind of cruises through this life, that everything's just going to be kosher and we're all going to be the same. It is not that way. God makes a big difference right here and says, you know what? There are nine things I had against some of you. There's a group of you who had a fear of the Lord, and I'm calling them out to point out the benefits that there is to that you with me so far but the point being get in the word of god if we forget who our god is how do we relate to him if we don't even know who he is and the only way you're going to be familiar with that is not because craig said it or dan said it or anybody else said it is because you hear it from his own word get in the word of god all right not because Pastor Chicks, did you do your daily Bible reading? I'm watching. Because you can't possibly understand who God is in your life if you're not with hearing from his word. <sighs> Keep going. Number two, they were in true fellowship with other believers. Number one, they had a fear, healthy fear of the Lord. They knew who God was. They knew not to mess with some of the things that God had put out. God says, listen, I got nine things I got a problem with you. But you know what? There's, no, there's some of you who fear me and haven't stepped over those boundaries. Number two, notice what it says. They that feared the Lord spake often one to another. Now that may not make sense sitting by itself, but understand we just came off the verses before where it said, there's a bunch of you who are all, all you're doing is talking stout words against me. All you're doing is spending time talking about how god and things aren't going so well and he goes right to this he says but those there are those of you who have feared the lord who spend time one another talking about me they are in true honest fellowship one with another keep going here the difference there is a difference we must be must and i don't underline many things on in my sermon notes here but that one i had to we must be in relationship with God peoples that involves investing the word of God in one another. 
Now, I love the fact that we come together, we enjoy one another, and, you know, I talk about, uh, oh, looks like we might get some snow tonight, right? Get the old snowblower out, and, you know, how's the car running? And, but if we're not in, in a relationship where we are speaking often to one another about the fear of the Lord, which is based in His Word, His statutes, His commandments, we're not one of these people. God says, I want to tell you, there's certain people who I've chewed out, but there are some who have a fear of the Lord and they talk often. Do you have a relationship like that with people? Do you? Or does our Christian relationship basically have the word Jesus over the door, but we come together and talk the same way we talk to anybody else when we bump into them at the grocery store? Oh, did you see those Patriots this week? Whoa, that football game on Thursday night was unbelievable. How about them eagles? I see Derek back there. Fly, eagles, fly, right? Yes, those things are enjoyable, but if we're Christians, if we're God's people, we have a healthy fear of God that we've got developed from learning and teaching it in God's word, then we ought to be speaking often one to another about that exact thing. You know why there's a whole world full of Christians who think living in Christ is just a vacation that they can take and they got guaranteed uh, streets of gold on the other side, but you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing up here? Is because we as believers who are standing strong have forgotten to remind them about the fear of the lord and i know we'll say uh i I, I, it's a churchy phrase we'll say we'll have a fellowship luncheon and we get together and just stuff our faces and talk about things in our life and that's great because i mean that we use the word fellowship in christianity very loosely but when we understand the principle of getting together and ministering to one another in christ And that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes, if you're doing it with a new believer, we might title it discipleship. Okay? Sometimes it might be counseling or something like that. But are you in a relationship with someone in your life where you sit down and you honestly, truly share about God? Because one of the things that God says, there were those folks, but there's a few who speak often. I hope, I, I truly hope, and I was hurting this week. I'll just be honest with you. I, this morning, even last night, I was like, that's just a putz. Why? Because we messed Wednesday night, and I was so excited about Wednesday night's teaching. In, in Job, man, chapter 40, it's an amazing. We're talking about behemoth, and everybody's like, what is that? And I'm like, guys, if you understood the picture here, this is one of the most important chapters in the entire Bible. I was so excited, and we didn't have it because of illnesses and stuff, and I was just like, I missed getting together with God's people. But could you imagine, honestly, and I hope this isn't where you are, that your contact with someone in the faith, that you get investment back and forth in God's word, is only one or two hours on a Sunday morning? Wow. I hope that's not you. Because the Bible here says they spoke often. 
well, how's the weather up there in uh, Sullivan or, you know, over there on the hill or what? I was thinking about that. We're supposed to get two inches here. That means three inches, six inches at other people's houses. But we talk about stuff like that. But we actually have true, honest investment in one another about the fear of the Lord and God and his word? I hope so. I really do. And God's pointing this out. He's saying, you bunch of clowns, I've told you how you've messed up, but there's a few of you that are staying in the fear of the Lord and that are spending time with me. Now, this is some hard times, and this is one of my favorite passages. This reminds me where I need to be. So Elijah... Elijah was a prophet that God used mightily, right? He called out fire from heaven. The story that this sets up for, remember, he goes against those 300 prophets of Baal, and they say, we're going to set up two different altars, okay? And we're going to pray to our gods to receive those, those offerings. And they prayed all day, and they cut themselves, and did all this uh, religious shenanigans to try to get their God to take the offering. And I believe Job prays a 41-word prayer in the English, <laughs> okay? And fire comes down from heaven, and he had beforehand poured war, bottle, uh, buckets of water on top of the offering and dug a ditch around the altar to catch all the water. And he prays a 41-word prayer, and God sends fire down from heaven and consumes everything, not just the offering, not just the water, the stones and everything. I mean, God used Elijah in amazing ways, man. He, this guy had access to power that god displayed through his ministry like very few in the bible so after all this elijah commands that elijah commands that all those prophets be killed so he takes a sword several of his servants go out and kill all of them okay so this is i mean talk about a victory i don't know i'd have been doing a jig better than if the eagles won right right unbelievable they prayed all day did all shenanigans they're dead false god bailed it absolutely nothing god within just a few words showed his power in a mighty way i'd have been flo- i'd have been on cloud nine chapter 19 though first kings 19 so this is the chapter right after this happens right right then and Ahab told Jezebel that all Elijah had done and, how, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. And Jezebel, and if you decide to name your kids Jezebel, anyway. Okay, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Now, if that didn't process in your brain, she heard what happened and said, I'm vowing to kill you just like you killed them. And if I don't get it done by tomorrow, let the gods kill me. Okay, now, I don't know. Looking back, I'd have gone, man, we just call fire down from heaven. Who do you think you're dealing with? All I have to do is go to Jehovah God and he can wipe you out in a minute. That's not what happened. Next verse. But he himself, and I put in Elijah, so we know who we're talking about. He went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. After this amazing thing that God had done through him, 
He gets a threat from Jezebel and just goes up, finds himself a tree, sits down, and wants to die. You ever want to die? You ever think about it? Don't. Don't lie, you have. may have been years ago, but we all struggle with that. Is my life even worth it? He did. After one of the greatest miracles that somebody actually calls down. I mean, I'm thinking of Elijah for a minute, pouring the buckets of water and digging it. What if God didn't send down the fire from heaven? He'd look kind of silly, didn't he? It wasn't just a, an altar with an offering on it. He doubled down. Let's wet it down real good. We'll see how God, you know, does that. Well, put water around it that much. I, I, I want to show you how much water we're pouring on this. Talk about having faith in the Lord and talking about celebrating something that God does amazing. And all of a sudden he's like, Lord, just kill me. I, it's not worth it. Well, we want to know why he got that feeling. So I don't know if you noticed, we went chapter 19, 1 and 2. And we jump to verse 4. What did verse 3 say? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 3. Why? Verse 3 says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. Then it says, And he went on another day's journey. You want to know why he got so down in the dumps? Want to know why he was ready to die? You want to know why he got pickle puss and started getting Mr. Pouty? Because God had put something, someone in his life for fellowship, true, honest fellowship, and he left his servant behind. He went off on his own. See, God never designed that for us. God has always designed us to be in true fellowship with others. Now, I love the end of this. And go read this chapter. Here's your assignment. Usually Dan and I, we're giving you an assignment to read in the... This is the one. Go read chapter 19. Now, you want to talk about an amazing chapter because this is the chapter that God shows him an earthquake and a fire and a great wind. And he, God says, I wasn't in the wind and I wasn't in the fire and I wasn't in the earthquake. But then he speaks to him in a still, small voice. But at the end of the chapter, after God reminds Elijah what this, all, what this is all about, Elijah comes down out of his solo hiding place and he meets with a young man by the name of Elisha. And look what the last verse of the chapter says. At the end of the chapter, God encourages him, and he got in fellowship. Here's the last part of the verse. And he rose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Verse 3, it says, He went, left his servant behind, and went and had a pity party and wanted to die. By the end of the chapter, he meets Elisha, and it says, and Elijah went after him and ministered unto Elijah. God brought him back into biblical fellowship with somebody. And man, the stuff that happens after this chapter, whoo boy. You talk about a mantle, and yeah, he throws it down on an oxen, and he throws it down on the water, and God just gives. Uh, but Elijah got back up on his feet because God gave him someone else to be in biblical fellowship with. I love this verse. I love this story. After doing one of the greatest miracles that you could see in the scripture. You know, we have the parting of the Red Sea and all those. But again, calling fire down from heaven with a 41-word prayer. 
And he has a pity party because he left that person that God had put in his life to encourage him, to be fellowshipping with him, left him behind and went and sat under a tree and said, woe is me. We need to be in fellowship with each other. Number one, we need a healthy fear of God. Number two, we need to be in good fellowship. Number three, oops, what kind of fellowship are you in? Missed this one. Hebrews says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We must have a deep biblical fellowship and investment, biblical relationship. This is why God says, as you see the time ticking closer. Now get this, put this verse into context with Malachi. God is saying, listen, they spoke often of me. They had a healthy fear of the Lord. You know why these guys didn't fall off the the tracks here? Why they waited until Malachi and 400 years and everything, they were waiting on me to do something? You want to know why? They saw the day approaching and they spoke often. They got in fellowship. Well, you and I, we're looking for the second coming. We're wanting the rapture. We're seeing that day approaching. And God says, listen, I've seen this before. I got a whole book called Malachi that's written about believers who got tired of waiting. He says, man, as you see the day approaching, we know it's getting closer, but it ain't here yet. Forsake not. Which doesn't mean, eh, when you feel like it, show up. It means don't ever stop. Now again, I'm telling you, that I got to be careful because here's what will happen. And the preacher's getting on us about attending church again because I'm sure he wants to uh, make the, the attendance record look good. You know, oh, we had 65 people at church on Sunday. Ooh, what a great Sunday. No, I don't care. What I care about is that God's people are in honest, true, biblical fellowship with each other, that we're investing in each other. God says, listen, the closer it gets, don't forsake it. You guys need it. I need it. I told you, I was bummed because I missed Wednesday. I went six days without meeting with God's people because we didn't do discipleship on Tuesday with Bree and Caleb either because of a sickness thing. So this whole week it was like I was sitting at home, didn't really hear a whole lot from anybody, ran a couple errands. But by the time today came around, I was like, man, I don't like not being around God's people. It's important. We need that investment. Okay, number three. They remembered who God was by meditating on his name. Did you catch this? The end of the verse says, And a book of remembrance was written for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. We did a study right in the beginning of this book. Remember, one of the accusations was you've forgotten to honor my name. So we went ahead and listed so many names of God. So I went ahead and relisted them. I'm not going to teach them. I just want to remind you. Because if you and I are supposed to be thinking about God's name, we ought to be familiar with God's name, right? How many of you have more than one name? I do. I got three just in my regular name, but I go by a lot of things. Bozo, 
goofy, you know. I've got nicknames that my parents call me. I go by Craig, I go by Mr. Fisher, I go by Pastor Fisher, just Fisher, I go by Fish, I go Craig Henry Fisher if I'm in trouble. Each of those things are different aspects by different people in my life. And it, if somebody, if somebody call, calls me on the phone and they say, hey, Fish, I generally know who this is going to be. It's probably somebody I went to high school with because that's what I was called in high school. Okay, relationships are been, built and there are things that are evident because of the name that you are called. Well, God's got a lot of names because he does, does a lot of things and those names represent all these attributes about God. So when you think on his name, are you sick? Are you poor? Are you under attack? Are you lonely? Are you needing of encouragement? Well, every one of the names that he has are aspects of God. You think on those things, man. Look at these names together. Next slide. We got God himself, Elohim, meaning creator. Jehovah, the self-existent one. El Shaddai, God Almighty. Lord is master, Adonai. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. Listen, right there. Go back one slide. You need some God to provide you with something? Jehovah Jireh. You need some healing? Jehovah Rapha. You need, you're in a battle, in a fight, and you need God's army behind you? Jehovah Nissi, these things represent parts about God. They were meditating and focusing on his name. Do we realize the God that we have? I believe in God. That's kind of really small box you put him in, don't you? But when you start looking at all his names, next slide. Jehovah Mekedishim, the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord my righteousness. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. Man, do you have any times in your life where you need to remind yourself that the Lord is there? Sometimes we as English-speaking Christians put our God into Lord and Jesus and God and we we forget all these amazing names which represent who He really is. And all these amazing aspects of his life and how he ministers to us. Next slide. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. El, again, God. El Olam, the everlasting God. El Roi, the God who sees. El Gabor, the almighty God. El Elyon, the most high God. You understand how many things, times, you ever feel like God's not paying attention to what's going on in your life? Lord, do you see what's happening around me? Maybe you need to remind yourself about the God who sees. Let me read this again, this last part of the verse. Them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. He mentions feared the Lord a second time. And he mentioned it now in context with Remembering who God is because of his name. He's got a lot of them. You're going through something special today that you need the God who is peace? 
or the God who sees, the God who is your banner, the God who heals, the God who provides. He's all those things wrapped up in one awesome package. Now get this, these are the three things that God points out about these faithful who didn't violate all these other things that God had listed in Malachi. He said, they feared me, they were in true fellowship, and they remembered who I was by focusing and meditating on my name. They are familiar, they had a fear of the Lord because they know who God is. If God be with us, who can be against us? When you have that kind of fear of the Lord and you understand who he is, so what's going on in this world? Now, with that in mind, I used this verse last week. When you're thinking on his name and you're meditating and you're focusing your thought life, this is why this is becoming more and more important, especially for me. Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, lovely, honest, pure, faithful, right? I get them in wrong order. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. Think on these things. There are other verses we could have looked up, verses that say, casting down every imagination and high thing that exalteth itself above God. We need our thought life in control. Now, stay with me, because this is the important part. Keep going. So when believers do live like this, so God says there's three things. They had the fear of God, they fellowship with each other truly, and they thought on my name, they remembered who I was. You know, they, they had a fear of the Lord remembering me. Now God says, because of that, I'm going to do a couple of things for them. So now, this is the best part. God takes the whole book and says, i got problems against you. But there's some of you who haven't done that. Some of you are living right, and now there's some benefits I want to remind you about. Number one, God pays attention. Now catch this. This, this is awesome. God is aware of what is going on. But notice in verse 16, it says, And they that filled, feared the Lord spake often of him, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. Now, if you're not paying attention to those words, ha uh, paying attention, okay, you might think he just stuttered. God hearkened and heard. Isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. Uh, did you ever, in, the, in some of the old English writings, when someone said, hark, a swallow. What did that mean? Yeah, yeah I wrote it up there in quotes. You ever did, wait, do you hear that? That's hearkening. Right, we were out uh, doing some work uh, at a lake a couple of months back, and there was a couple of loons on the lake. Okay, some in boats, some not. Um, the bird loons. Okay, and they're floating around, and, and we're doing our stuff, you know, saws running everything, and all of a sudden we were like, "Wait a second, did you hear that?" And we all just stopped, and you heard the loon. And I'm not even going to try to imitate a loon; I can't do it. Okay. But you heard that sort of lilting coo just float across the lake. But we all stopped and we hearkened. We dropped everything, what we were doing for a second, and paid attention to that sound. It might have been going on all day, but we didn't hear it. We didn't focus on it. So he says he hearkens and then he hears. 
Now get this, understand, there's a whole group of people that God's got nine problems against. And he said, but those who feared the Lord and spoke about it all the time, I listened intently. I hearkened. I heard. Now again, this is one of those strange things where we talk about, you know, when if I regard sin in my heart, the Lord doth not hear me. It's a verse in Psalms. We know the Lord doesn't go... He honestly, the sound reaches him, and that's assuming he has human ears. He gets, he, pay, he knows what is going on. But there is a difference between when God's faithful speak to him versus when the rest of the folks in this world are saying things. Okay, amazing thing. You got all your kids on the playground, and I, I don't have mom radar. I don't or sonar, or whatever you want to call it. You can have 400 kids running around on this playground, and your child falls down and goes, Mom! And that mom goes, You might have had 700 other kids calling for mom, but mom hears her own child. Well, God is saying here, listen, when you fear me, when you focus on that, I'm hearkening and hearing you. It puts us as believers in a special place with God. When we're living right. Now get this, flip side of the coin says there are people who are not. The rest of the book that we've been talking about, God's saying, I may not be hearkening and hearing you the same way I am these folks. And this isn't, Dan taught this the other day, I'm not going to reteach this, but go on. First John. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth whatsoever we ask, then we know that you have the petitions we've desired. If we are asking according to his will, living and being the people he wants us to, he is hearing us. And then if we know he hears us, we know he's listening and paying attention to what we're asking him. You're not just talking to the ceiling if you are living correctly. But however, Father, brand new Lamborghini. I would just love to cruise on down the street. If I'm not asking according to his will, is he hearing me? The, yeah, this, I know he he's, knows what I'm saying, but understand this. He says, if you're living the way you ought to be living, I'm going to hearken unto you and hear you. Your petitions were going to come before me. There are times where, again, just in my own life, and God did this as a, on purpose as an example, my kids are in the back of the car, all three of them, and they're chatterboxing. Just, you know, sound, sound, sound. Can we have ice cream? Can we have french fries? Can we have this? Can we have that? And, and at a point, certain point, you're like, Mur. right? You don't even hear it anymore. And finally, one of the kids is like, Dad! What? You completely zoned out everything that they were saying because it was just clutter. It was just noise. You ever do that? How about, uh, I know you've probably done it with me, and if you do get my attention, where you start talking to me and you see me go, Hey! Oh, I'm uh, sorry, you were talking? Come on, you've done it too. Don't we sometimes zone out with each other? Okay, and we have the, the, the jokes around all the time about women who come in to talk to their husbands while the football game is on. Right? And they, the, a woman can say five minutes of talking and walk out of the room and the husband was like, was she just in here? 
because we're not zoned. Listen, understand something. God says when you are the kind of people that you are supposed to be, when you're living as a faithful, it makes me hearken and hear you. It's not just noise. I pay attention to those who are living. Now, get that. You think, and remember I talked to you earlier in this sermon that said there are Christians out there who think, I'm saved, I can do what I want, and there's no difference between me and anybody else. (laughs) Go ahead and keep thinking that. Because my Bible tells me that those who are living for the Lord and paying attention and have that honest respect and fear for him, that he hearkens and hears them. I don't know about you, but I'd like to be the one that if I'm trying to get God's attention, he hears me. Keep going. God is the ultimate bookkeeper. Now, I like this. Now, remember what the title of the story this was? What's your story? He says, "Um, And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared him and thought on his name. Do you realize God's writing a book about you and me? He's writing a book. Now, please, he's God, so if you're sitting there, God's at this big desk with a big quill pen and some ink. I don't know how he's doing this. I just know he is. He is recording everything about you and me. He's writing in a book. Okay, a couple of verses that go back right there in Psalms, right? Thou tell us my wanderings, thou put my tears in a bottle. They are not in, oops, excuse me. They are not in, are they not in thy book? God says, listen, you remember when I cry, you're watching where I'm going. Aren't they in the book you're writing about me, Lord? God's keeping track. He is the ultimate bookkeeper. He's keeping a book. Now, all of us just went, oh crud, didn't we? God writing down everything about you, everything about me. All right, go on, next slide. He says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being uh, unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written. God's got a book on each one of us. (laughs) Job, guys, man, we're reading through Job. We're almost done. Job cried out, oh, if there was a book written about my life. Well, didn't he know that it was a book going to be written about his life? And thousands and thousands of people would be reading it for thousands of years. Okay. Revelation. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before the Lord. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. God is keeping books on everybody believers and unbelievers now you say well pastor wait a second i thought you said this was benefits of living this way god god's hearing me he's hearkening unto me he's you know but he's writing everything down now how many of you i'm trying to get done early but this has got so much good stuff in it how many of you somebody was writing a biography about you would want to read the biography before it was published. Right? They're writing a book about me and they're going to print it and tell, give it to everybody. I'm like, let me see that book first. Okay, didn't I write that down? Right? 
God is writing everything. What if somebody's writing a book? You want to edit it, right? No, you're not going to put that in there. Honestly, that's a secret. Come on, right? There's a lot of stuff in books that would be written about us that we wouldn't want written for other people to know. Yes? Well, you know the cool thing about God? This is, again, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened with him, having forgiven your trespasses. So God says, you know, you used to be an unbeliever, but now you've asked Jesus to be your Savior. I've quickened you. I've saved you. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Catch that? He says, you were in sin. And there was a lot of stuff written in your ledger. God says, I blotted all that out and nailed it to his cross. I can stop there, but there's a little bit more I want to go to. But what's your story? Aren't you glad that God is not, our sins are forgotten as far as the east is from the west? buried in the depths of the sea yeah he's keeping a book and for those who haven't had their sins forgiven there's a lot of stuff written in there but for those who have had jesus christ as their savior the blood of jesus christ is like a big bottle of whiteout y'all remember what whiteout was okay some of us if there was young people in there going so what's whiteout okay okay you could just highlight and delete Keep going. God makes us special to him. The verse says, in that day when I make up my jewels, and again, we could do a whole study on jewels in the Bible, but something that's important is that jewels are rare and precious. Now catch this. God's saying all these people in the book of Malachi aren't doing it, but you folks, there's a few of you who are living faithful. You are precious. You are rare. Isn't that nice to know? That those who are following God the way he's talking about it, God considers you and I precious and special. We're jewels. Okay. Haven't you, you ever, that's a term we don't use very often anymore, but you ever see that, right? Oh, she's such a jewel. Isn't it nice to know God might actually appreciate us? You know, there are some Christian religions who want to make it seem as if God is always disappointed, always angry, always ready to punish, and we always have to confess because if not, we're in big trouble. God says, for my faithful who fear my name, who are meditating on who I am, who are in fellowship with other believers and ministering like they should, they're precious to me. They're like jewels. He also says... God takes care of them. I will spare them as a man spareth his own son. Clause that serveth him. Don't miss that. God says, man, you know, I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. Just like I would my own son. That serveth me. So again, God isn't saying everyone. He's, and again, this is interesting to me. It's my own son. What about the son that doesn't serve him? Well, interesting. I can go back to a story called the prodigal son and talk about that. 
Anyway, isn't God awesome? Now let's keep going on. God will show those who served and those who didn't. Now, did you catch that last part? And I'm telling you, there are those in Christianity who sometimes think that there is no reckoning coming. There is. The last verse says, Then shall ye return and discern between righteous, the righteous and the wicked, between them that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Now, God, I want you to notice, he was talking about, he changes his uh, uh, article here, and he says, God changes it. He says, then ye shall return. This whole time of those verses, he's been talking about those faithful who have been doing those things, those who are meditating on me, those who are fearing the Lord. Now he says, and ye will know. He goes back to talking to all those people who haven't been serving God. And he says, understand all of you there is a difference between those who are in righteous and those who are being wicked there's the problem in this world today is we've forgotten that the fear of the lord comes with some judgment that there are those who god considers wicked and there's behaviors that god considers wicked and all these people are walking around going ah it doesn't matter i can live the way i want god loves everybody <laughs> He says, then you'll understand, you will discern that in God's mind there is a difference between those who are faithfully serving him and those who are not. Next slide. Do you have a godly fear of the Lord? I hope so. comes from being in the word of God. When you realize who God is and you continue to see that over and over and over through his Bible, the awesome power of almighty god and his judgment it causes you to think about maybe i won't upset mom so i won't have to hear wait till your father gets home number two are you in biblical fellowship with other christians or is it sort of just haphazard you know how's the weather what's going on and uh you know or are you actually involved with somebody maybe you're in a ministry maybe you want to be in a ministry where you are actually taking the word of God and investing it in somebody else. Last, you focus your thoughts on who God is by remembering his name. And again, that whole tied in with the fear of the Lord. We get an honest reverence for God when we remember who he is. And we do that by remembering he's the Lord of hosts. He's my banner. He's my healer. He's my shield. He's my provider. He's all those things. God calls out these group of people and says, you know what? you have a special place for me i hope you and i could live up to that let's pray father i i don't want to pretend one bit that there have been times in my life where i'm struggling and lord i wonder why things go the way they are why you're allowing certain things to happen lord there can be a frustration but Lord, I thank you that you write books like Malachi to remind us that just because things aren't the way we think they ought to go, just because it might get tough, doesn't mean we just get to fold our tents up and leave. That we just quit and just coast on your coattails into heaven. Father, you were careful to say that there were people there 
that were not guilty of these nine discrepancies that you had. Lord, that they loved you. The Father, they had a healthy fear. Lord, they were in good fellowship talking about you, not stout words against you, but Lord, encouraging one another, edifying one another. And then, Father, they meditated, they focused on who you were by remembering your names. And Lord, what awesome benefits. I thank you, Lord. You got a book about me. And Lord, that's kind of scary when I think about it because you're recording things about my life. But Lord, I thank you first and foremost that through the blood of Jesus Christ, those things that were against me, the sins, the trespasses, Lord, have been blotted out by the blood of Jesus. But Father, it is sobering to understand that you are keeping track. You are the ultimate bookkeeper. But Father, if we live that kind of life, you promise that we're special, we're rare, we're precious to you, and you'll protect us like a son when we serve that way. And Father, the last reminder, you turn around to all the whole group and remind them that there is a difference between those who are serving you faithfully and those who are not. Father, help us to be encouraged to continue to serve you faithfully. And Father, also help us to be encouraged to find those who may have slipped aside and remind them that there is a difference, that they should discern that there's a difference, that when people serve, there are benefits. When they don't, those benefits aren't guaranteed. Lord, they have a home in heaven for eternity, but it's not all going to be the same. And Father, most off, just precious to me right now at this very moment, because we're praying, what an amazing verse to understand that in the midst of this crazy world, six plus billion people doing all kinds of crazy things, even just everyday life, that you will hearken and hear those that fear you. Lord, that's an amazing thing. That right now on a Sunday morning, there may be millions in church praying. And God, you will hearken and hear the faithful. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.